may be seated for just a moment. Uh, it's been good to be, be here this morning. Is everybody excited to be in church? I'm glad that we have a living hope, aren't you? Uh, you know, there's a lot of people that say they have hope in the world, but they're putting it in all the wrong things. And I'm going to preach on that in just a few minutes, but, but I'm going to uh, just, just say a few things and, and, and say that we need to pray for our nation. Amen? Uh, this week, and, and this is regardless of, of, uh, of any kind of affiliation of politics or whatever, this is a, a sin, it just transcends that, is there are 13 families that have lost someone this week, lost a loved one, uh, American families, and, and more than that, uh, of, of Afghan families. And uh, those people, I don't know the condition of their heart, I hope they were all saved, uh, but the fact of the matter is that they're, uh, God loved those people, Amen. And uh, God loves all those folks that are causing all this trouble in our world, whether it be, uh, uh, you know, the, the ISIS-K. Now they've got a new uh, suffix now. I've, I, I didn't know they existed. Uh, those people have souls, and we need to pray for their salvation. And uh, we need to pray for the families of our fallen troops and, and those that, that may uh, continue to be over there and are in harm's way even this very moment. They need our prayers uh, and, and, and that's the only thing really that can keep them safe. They can put on all the body armor they want to and arm themselves to the teeth. But if God was to take his hand of protection off a single one of them, then life could be lost. Amen? So we're going to have a special prayer for that situation in our nation. Uh, it's no secret that this, uh, this uh, virus is ramping up, and we need to pray uh, for people that are suffering from that. And uh, we have a couple of young, younger people in our church that need your prayers this morning for that. So we're going to pray for that. And then after the prayer, we're going to stand and do our reading this morning. And then, you know what we're going to do? We're going to pray again because we need to continue to pray. So I ask you to join me in prayer this morning as we pray for our nation. Father, uh, we come before you humbly this morning. And, and Lord, in a very serious manner. And God, I just pray that you would touch the families of those that have lost their lives, whether they be American lives or, or, or maybe foreign lives. God, I just pray that you would touch those families. God, comfort them. And Lord, I just pray that you would bless us as a nation. God, help us and give us safety and, and continue to bless our troops and keep them safe that are abroad right now that may be in harm's way. And Lord, this, none of this has taken you by surprise or caught you off guard. And God, we know that, that you know what's going on and, and you haven't turned your back on us and you're not ignoring us. But God, you see what's happening. And Lord, for those that are in the path of the hurricane, God, I just pray that you would keep them safe. Lord, bless them as only you can. Lord, I pray for the Waverly Church. And God, that, that you would just help them. And, and, and you're the God of all comforts. Lord, we know that when you ascended to heaven, God, that you sent us the gift of the Holy Spirit, and he is the great comforter this morning. And Lord, I just pray that he would uh, be with those that are hurting, those that, that are, are uh, in situations that we can't begin to imagine. God, I pray for those that are in this service this morning that may have needs, and, and no doubt do have needs. And God, you know every need, you know every person's heart, you know every situation and every life because you are the omniscious God of this world and, and God of the universe. And God, I just pray that as we uh, start into the preaching that you would just bless that, have your hand on it. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Let's stand and turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter number 6 this morning. Book of Matthew chapter number 6 and we'll pick up the reading in verse number 19. I'm just going to read five or six verses this morning, maybe six verses and may preach a few more than that. Um, the Sermon on the Mount, we're continuing in that. And are, are you enjoying the Sermon on the Mount? And this is a wonderful section of Scripture. And this is very, very pertinent to, to, to the society that we live in today. If you're in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, would you say amen for me? Amen. It says this, he says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye, and if, if therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye shall be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and mammon. Let's pray once again. Father, thank you for this wonderful word that you've given us. God, I just pray that you would reveal the truths that are in it this morning and, and that you would touch hearts and open our minds and our hearts and, and our eyes and our ears. And, and Lord, just that we would be receptive to what you would say to us this morning. God, I pray that you would, uh, God, use me this morning. Lord, I am absolutely unworthy. God, in just a weak vessel, Lord, asking for your anointing and your blessing this morning. Lord, we praise you and we thank you for being with us. We pray that the, the Holy Spirit continues to do his work in this service. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. This is uh, one, of my, one of my favorite verses, or one of the uh, verses that I often refer to a lot of times is, is verse 21 of this scripture. And Jesus opens this up, or, or where we're opening it up today, and he once again, he changes gears. So what I'm doing is I'm trying to actually, trying to follow the natural breaks in the scripture and the different subjects. And I can imagine that if you read this all the way through, the last time that I read this completely through, I was sitting uh, where the Sermon on the Mount was delivered and uh, overlooking the Sea of Galilee, and I read this all the way through, and it just took about 15 minutes to read it all the way through from, from start to finish. Me and Brother Rudy Oaks read it together. And Jesus had like a what, what would be maybe a 15, 20-minute sermon. Maybe it lasted two hours. I don't know. But could you imagine just sitting there listening to him change thoughts and the disciples, they get into something, they're writing it down, and all of a sudden he changes gears. And then he says these words in verse number 19. He says, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. Now these men that he was talking to, his disciples, for the most part, with the exception of just a couple of them, were basically broke. Okay, Imagine that when Jesus called these men that they were working their daily jobs, and these people in this time, as we, we, I alluded to it just a little bit last week, most of the people that lived in and around the area that Jesus is delivering this sermon, the, the Sea of Galilee and that the Galilean region, were people that basically lived from day to day. 
when they woke up today, they, had to, they might have had just a little bit left over from yesterday, maybe a little bit of bread, maybe a little bit of this or a little bit of that, but for the most part, they would eat that, then they would get up, they would have to put their sandals on or the, whatever they put on that day, and they would have to go to work, and they would have to earn that daily bread. And so these men were probably a little bit puzzled when he said that because, you know, they didn't have a whole lot of treasure. They didn't have a whole lot of, uh, of things to look forward to. And, and they, were, they were basically just very poor men. But as you read on, he, he talks about what these treasures were. He says, where moth and rust doth corrupt. If there's one thing that meant a lot to these men or meant a lot to people in this time, it was two things. It was their clothes and it was precious metal. See, they didn't have paper money like we have. They had, they had coins and they basically a lot of their trade was done with barter. You know, they would grow a, a patch of corn and they would harvest that and they would take it to wherever town or, or the village and they would trade that for whatever they needed. And so these were people that didn't have a whole lot of anything. And so one thing that they were very proud of was the clothes that they had on their back. And, the, and maybe just a little bit of precious metal that they had in their pocket. They didn't have bank accounts, they didn't have savings accounts, they didn't have 401ks and, and, and whatever all these things were. Basically, whatever they owned, their possession was in their hand. They could almost hold everything that they had in the palm of their hand and, and on their back with their clothes. And Jesus says that you should not lay up for yourselves treasures upon earth. Now that does not mean, let me explain to you first what it does not mean before I explain what it does mean. Some people would read this verse and say, well, you know, you probably ought to live poor. You ought to have, you ought to have nothing according to the Bible. You shouldn't have treasures laid up upon the earth. I don't think that's what Jesus is getting to here. And we'll get to the root of the matter in just a few minutes. So don't think for a minute that, that you shouldn't have a little money put back because I think you should be wise and have some stuff saved up. Amen? You should be prepared for hard times. But the thing about it is that anything that you try to save or anything that you put back, whether it be uh, money in your bank account or, or I've, I've heard people recently with the, with the instability in our economy, people are saying, hey, go buy all the silver that you can. Anybody heard that besides me? Man, I guess I'm the only one that has heard that. So that, there's your tip for the day. Go buy silver, okay? That's just what, the, that's what they're saying. But I don't have a whole lot of silver stored up. And you may have a bunch of silver, and you may have a bunch of gold, and you may have a bunch of this and a bunch of that. But the thing about it is, is at any given time, at any moment of the day, that's subject to be gone. We think about what we've got at home, and, and I think about you know just a few things, maybe the things that we treasure and the things that we, we, we look forward to going to, and, and, and any given time, boom, it could be gone. I think about, you know, I, I mean, I enjoy the house that we live in, but I could get home today, and guess what? My house could be in flames. And all I have left to me, could you imagine going home and, and all you have to wear for the rest of the day is this suit? But that could happen in any given time, right? That could happen at any moment. You know, these days you think, well, my money's in the bank. It's safe and, and, and you know, they can't get it there. Well, now there's these things called cyber thieves. 
If, if you don't go to the bank and rob it the good old-fashioned way, you know, with a gun, put your hands up. Now they just get on a computer, and they're Lord knows where in the world, and they're hacking in and, and stealing money that way. Whatever you have on this earth, I hate to break it to you, and I hate to just sound like a Debbie Downer today, but, but all your treasures on earth, they're just not safe. I mean, we do what we can to make them safe. No doubt you locked your doors when you left home. When you got here to the church, you locked your car doors and you try to put things where they go where they're less likely to be stolen or less likely to be taken away. But at the end of the day, nothing that we have is really all that safe. And even if those, those things that you find precious to you, if you are able to safeguard them, and you are able to, to keep them in your possession, they're still subject to go away. Just like he said here, those, those precious clothes that we all like to wear. I'm, I'm a guy, you know, there's, men are generally simple creatures. Would you all women say amen to that? How many of you, just, just, I just want to see this because I know it's true for Cecil. How many women in here buy your husband's clothes? I'm just curious. You buy your husband's clothes and all the men are sitting there embarrassed like, man, I wish he wouldn't ask that question. And some of you now you're going to fight all the way home. You don't buy my clothes. But we're generally simple creatures and men don't put a whole lot of thought. You know, as long as we got something clean to grab out of the closet, well, most of the time we're pretty good, right, men? But how about women? Women, they put a lot of stock in their clothes, don't they? A lot of times women, they'll, they'll be getting ready and they'll come in with two or three different outfits and say, well, this one, I don't like this, this, these stripes with these shoes, so I'm going to go change. And they put a whole lot of thought. But you know what? In five years and ten years, where are those clothes going to be? Probably if, if they're still in your closet, they're in the very back, right? And you're not wearing them. And, and perhaps they've even been donated to Goodwill or they've been thrown in the trash or they've become, you know, rags or whatever those things that we put so much uh, uh, love and so much stock into and that we pay exorbitant amounts of money for all of a sudden in just a few years guess what not as good as it used to be if you have a if you have a, a box full of gold at your house and if you do then I would like to be your friend today but but anyways if you have a box full of gold at your house and if you leave that sitting somewhere for a long time you're going to come back guess what it's going to be tarnished and it's going to be the, the, that it's going to start, uh, you know, getting corruption on it. Maybe your cars, the cars that we drive, they're rusting. The houses that we live in, the wood is decaying. I mean, this world is subject to destruction. And yet we pour ourselves into the things that we have, don't we? And Jesus says, he says, uh, don't lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth does corrupt and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. And then he takes that very same statement and he just flips it around and this is what he says. He says, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal. And you think, well, that's great. I understand how to lay up treasures down here. You get up and you, you work hard and you do what's right and you, you pay your bills and you buy things and you try to buy good stuff if you can, quality stuff that will last a while and you try to be good stewards. I understand how to lay up treasures down here, but, but what does it mean when Jesus says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven? See, I've never had the option to, uh, to just 
take something and say, well, you know, instead of putting this in my, in my safe, I'd rather send this on to the Lord so I know it'll be safe. And so what are the things that we can do or what are the things that count and that, that, that will last? The first thing that I would say is that you need to make eternal investments. Eternal investments. Is everybody with me this morning? A lot of us, we, we invest, right? If, if most jobs these days, they offer benefits, they offer 401ks or, or whatever, and some of you are, are reaping the benefits of that right now. You're, you're, you're working and, and living off the labors of your time past because you laid up some treasure, and that's not a bad thing. But how do we do that in heaven? How do we make eternal investments? And I think about this, and I think this is the, the crux of the whole matter. Jesus explains it, and I'm, I'm going to just comment on verse number 21. Jesus says, gives one of the most profound statements that you will ever hear. And this is how you can generally measure somebody and their walk with God. He says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What Jesus is saying is this. How do we gain treasure down here? Well, we try to work hard for it. We try to do our 40 hours a week and sometimes 50 hours or, or whatever it is. And we do this and we do that. And we spend a lot of time laying up treasures on this earth. Wouldn't you say amen to that? I mean, some of you work 40 hours and some of you, uh, Tanner, I don't know if Tanner's in here this morning. Is Tanner in here? Did he go to children's church? I mean, that guy, sometimes he works. Where are you at, brother? You work a lot, don't you? So he works 12-hour shifts, sometimes 7, 8, 9, 10, 12 days in a row. And he's, he's, he's doing that, and you know why he's doing that? To keep you safe, amen? If you ever need somebody, just call Tanner. He can get you to the hospital. But we spend so much time working and, and laboring and doing this and doing that, and I'm not, I'm not throwing off on Tanner and picking on him. I just know he works a lot. But what do you spend a majority of your time doing? I believe that is how you can tell where you're laying up your treasures. If you spend a majority of your time uh, just just working and, and you know neglecting things that are important and neglecting spiritual matters, then your treasure are, are probably down on this earth. How much time do we spend a week? Honestly, think about this. There's 168 hours in a seven-day week. And how much time... And that week, are you spending doing things that pertain to God? You say, well, I'm here this morning. I'm, I'm at church. Isn't that worth something? Absolutely. I'm glad you're at church this morning. I would, ne I would not try to negate that at, by any means. But if you've spent one hour at church, that means that there's 167 hours that you're still doing something else. And you say, well, I'm sleeping, I'm, I'm working, those things have to be done. And you think, well, sometimes I read my Bible when I remember. Sometimes I pray when, when, when I need something. And those things, again, these are not bad things in their self. But let me ask you this. You know how to really lay up something in heaven? I think that the way you truly lay up something in heaven, I think the way you put treasures is not what you do for yourself, but it's what you do for others. 
I believe that if, if you really want to lay up treasure, something that will count, something that will have eternal impact, then you should do something to help somebody else. It may be, as we talked about last week, when we talked about almsgiving, you remember that sermon from last week, if you, wanna, if you really want to lay up treasures in heaven, then why don't you give something away? Why don't you help somebody and, and do something for somebody that needs help? Or how about this? How about you try to make an eternal impact on someone's soul? Well, I think that's a big one. I think that would get treasure in heaven like nobody could ever imagine is making an impact on eternity through somebody's soul. Now what does that look like? Well, that may look like soul winning. That may look like you going out into the highways and the hedges and, and telling people about God. It may be that you invited somebody to church and they came. It may be that, that you had disciple someone or you pour into a young person. You know, I think it, it would be great if some of our older people would pour into our younger people. Wouldn't that be wonderful? In fact, do you know what? That's, that's commanded in Scripture. It says that ye older ones, ye elders are to teach the younger ones, men to teach uh, younger men and older women to teach younger women. And you know what? If you will do that and if you will do those things, then, then that could have an impact on someone's eternity. Now this next verse that we get to, verse number 22, it's kind of worded strangely and it's not really words that we use today. He says this in verse 22, he says, The light of the body is the eye. What does that mean? He's talking about just basically that, that your light, whatever, whatever you look at, that's, that's what your body is, is, is seeing right now. It's pretty obvious, right? You're, you're, most of you are looking at me. He says, but if your eye therefore be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. And I studied that out and, and I prayed about it and I thought, man, what's this, what's this talking about? And I read this, this illustration that really straightened it up for me and really made me understand it. How many of you have ever had a cataract in your eye? Anybody know what a cataract is? Some I mean, of you older people, I've got cataracts in both my eyes and my glasses are about that thick. And if I take my glasses off, I can't see anything. You know why that is, and, and this, this makes sense to some of you, it's because when light hits my eye, what a cataract does, just a little medical knowledge for you today, is it takes that beam of light and it just scatters it. And you're, nothing is in focus. So if I take my glasses off, nothing is in focus. I'm not able to focus on one single thing. I just see a blur, which sometimes that's not bad, right? Sometimes it's good to see, just see a blur. But what he's saying is that, that if, if your, your body or your mind or your heart, he's, he's really focusing on the heart here. If you have that, I guess we could call it a spiritual cataract, if you will. And your eye, you, you, your heart, you really focus on the wrong things. Do you know what we should be focused on right now in our lives? We should be focused on God. But our focus is in so many other places. Many people are driven, and, and this is a lot of this, and, and I'm not trying to harp on this, but many people are driven by their careers. Many people are driven by what they can lay up and how much they can gain and, and what they can do and how much land they can own and big houses and, and all these things. But at the end of the day, when you take your last breath, what does that matter in eternity? 
Do you take any of that with you? Absolutely, you do not. What he's saying here is that if your eye be evil, if your eye is focused on the wrong things, if your heart is focused on the wrong things, then your whole life is going to be out of order. You think, well, I've got a pretty good life. I've, you know, everything's going good with me. I'm healthy. My bills are paid and, and things are going great. But how, is, how, how are you spiritually this morning? Because he said in verse 21, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And you can usually look at a person, and, and I'm not trying to jump ahead too far to, to chapter 7, verse number 1, but you look around and you see people that, that are career driven and that are focused on other things, that are focused on their jobs, they're focused on school, they're focused on sports or whatever it may be, and they're not focused on God. You know, the, the first thing that we tend to neglect in our lives when we're focused on other things is the things of God. We, I mean, it, it, we, we don't, a lot of times we refuse to cut out this or that or we refuse to cut out pleasure or recreation or overtime or whatever it is and we won't cut those things out but yet what we'll do is we'll say well well God will understand because this is what good people do well, you know what good people do they focus on God and God takes care of them amen and we may get into that next week so if you're out of focus then your entire life it's going to be out of sorts. And then he goes on in verse number 24. Read with me and, and we'll go back to this. He says, no man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other. Or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. And then he says, ye cannot serve God and mammon. He's talking here, and, and this, is, this is something we generally don't like to blame up but, or talk about because we like to, to blame a lot of bad things that happen in this country, but he's talking about slavery. He's, he, what he's saying here is, is that you're going to be a slave to something. You're going to serve something every day of your life, Right? You're going to get up and, and your focus is going to be on, on something. Now you think, well, my focus is on a lot of things. I'm running to and fro, and we do. But at the end of the day, we try to get something accomplished. And I think that, that so many people, and remember, he's talking to disciples. He's talking to Christians. I think that so many Christians have become slaves or become servants to things besides God. Would you say amen right there? Y'all have been pretty quiet this morning. Is everybody okay? Nobody's died, have you? If you've died, raise your hand. Tanner will be with you in just a moment. Nobody's died, right? This is, this is just the Bible, amen? And you just got to get a steady diet of Bible sometimes. When you get up on tomorrow morning, and, and I know everybody in here is looking forward to tomorrow morning when you got to go to work. Maybe you're serving your job. Maybe you're serving your bank account. Maybe you're serving this and that or serving sports or serving uh, a number of things. But you're supposed to serve God. That's, for, that's elementary, right? Like when you're born again, when you get saved, when the Holy Spirit indwells you, you're supposed to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? 
And for a little while we generally do. And, and when you first get saved, you're kind of on fire and you serve God with every, every ounce of your being. And then all of a sudden things start coming in and things start coming at you. And you, you start neglecting God. Luke chapter 12 verse 15 is a parallel passage. And Jesus says this, it sort of adds to it. He says, take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesses. I'm going to read that, that last part again. He says, for your life, put your name there. For my life does not consist of the abundance of the things which I have. It's not about material possessions. It's not about how much money I have or how much money you don't have. Whatever it is. The question is, what are you doing for God? Are you laying up treasures in heaven? Or do you just come to church and it's sort of like a hobby? It's sort of like something, well, we just, we just do that because it's Sunday and I'm expected to be there. No, you're expected to be a Christian every day of your life. And lay up treasures for eternity in heaven. I'm not going to get too deep into it. I'm not going to uh, talk too much about what, what these treasures are for or what you do with them. But I believe that some people are, are going to get to heaven and say, Wow, I must have wasted my life on things that don't matter a whole lot. Things that one of these days will just burn up when the earth is destroyed as it describes in Second Peter chapter 3. All these things that we find precious and, and valuable and, and we try to gain things, one of these days they're just going to be gone. And all that's going to matter, the only thing that's going to matter is did you or did you not live your life serving Jesus Christ? Did you do that? Are you doing that this morning? I mean, I'm looking at a lot of people this morning that, that have this real not great look on your face. And I'm just, it's, it's, I'm just giving you the Bible. This is not my opinion. This is, this is not what I'm saying I think you should do. Jesus himself, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let's pray. And, and I encourage you this morning as we pray, to, if, if you need to to get back in, in your relationship with Christ. I encourage you to do that. Father, Lord, it's, it's a subject that we don't like to talk about, a subject that we don't like to focus on, but God, so many times we get caught up in stuff. We get caught up in things. We just generally get caught up with life. And God, there are no doubt people sitting in this in this service this morning that their life just revolves around what they're gaining. How big their bank account is or their, uh, their savings account or, or how much stuff they have. And Lord, I just pray that you would help us not to have that attitude. Because that is a worldly attitude. God, I pray that you would help us to refocus on you. And Lord, that you would forgive us for the, the things that we do that, that are not pleasing to you, but these are not necessarily even sinful things. These can be good things that get in the way of serving you.
Lord, I pray that you would speak to people and that you would help us to focus on you. Because at the end of life, that will be all that we have. We may lose everything. We may lose our homes and and our, our savings and all these things that we find precious. But one thing is that we will... You won't forsake us. You won't leave us. You'll always be with us. And God, I pray that we can lay treasures up in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing this morning.